0: Hello and welcome back to Walton Biz Talk. My name is Savannah Rabino. I'm your host. And I'm here with...
1: Sungman Park.
0: And Jackie Weidner. And they're my wonderful co-hosts. Well, this week's episode is about the metaverse. Do you guys want to know how I learned about the metaverse? Yeah. How? Okay, so it was New Year's Eve and I had no plans. And I saw this ad, this article talking about how Paris Hilton was throwing a virtual new year's eve party on roblox and she has this um island i think it's called paris world and she was gonna dj herself because she's a dj she was gonna dj the event and it was this whole ordeal so it's like if you didn't have plans because of covid or just a little antisocial like i am then you can go to the virtual roblox party
1: wow that's awesome right yeah yeah
0: how did you guys learn about the metaverse
1: uh i mean i've been into crypto for like the last like four years so like i mean i didn't get into it early but definitely before a lot of people luckily uh, me and my friends watched like a few youtube videos and got super interested and it helped us make a little bit of a change and uh get super into it which is nice nowadays
0: yeah i think i was just reading about it like in i usually go to bloomberg so you know ah i know i'm a big bloomberg bloomberg girl excuse me but yeah i think i was just reading about it and um, how Mark Zuckerberg's involved in all that jazz. How about that Super Bowl commercial, too? Um, Did you guys yeah. see that? Oh, yeah. The Coinbase one?
1: Or yes. are you talking about the the Quest? The
0: one where it was, like, all the little furry the, animals. Yeah, like the
1: Five Nights at Freddy, and they're wearing their, Yeah. Um,
0: that made it seem kind of... the
1: VR masks.
0: That no. made me a little uncomfy, not gonna lie. Really? But... Well, yeah, I guess I just don't picture my... I guess in the metaverse, you can be where whoever you want to be. So I guess that was the whole gist of the commercial. Right. But I'm still learning about that space. So if you're not familiar with it... The metaverse is a cyberspace that combines augmented reality with avatars and inventories like NFTs and cryptocurrency to create a virtual world. Though less snazzy than Paris World... Corporate giants like Meta, formerly known as Facebook, Microsoft, and even Walmart are taking bets that soon you too will work and play in this space. Hello, and welcome back to Walton Biz Talk, a student-run podcast where we have casual conversations about professional things. This podcast is powered by the Business Communication Lab at the Sam M. Walton College of Business. I'm your new host, Savannah Rabino, and this season we're taking a crash course into empathy and how it has become the ultimate business buzzword. I'm here with one of my co-hosts, Sungmin Park. Now, Sungmin, I know it's been a minute since the listeners have seen you on the podcast, so if you could kind of give us a Give us a little insight into what you've been doing, anything new, anything you want the listeners to know.
1: Awesome. Thank you for that great welcome, Savannah. Uh, hi, guys. I'm Sungmin Park. If you're a reoccurring listener, you guys probably know me from the other seasons. Um, I'm super excited to be on the podcast again, especially with this topic, as it's something that is uh, a part of my life every day now, as I'm, me and my buddies have been super involved with crypto and the metaverse. Um Recently, I've been working for this company called DSG, which is why uh, my involvement in the podcast has been a little bit less than usual. But Savannah's been doing a great job, and I'm super excited for today.
0: Yeah, so Sungmin kind of gave us, gave us a little bit... Um a brief overview but in this episode we're tackling the metaverse and the digital economy and their relationship to digital empathy i'm delighted to introduce our guest today billy admire from puppet which is an information technology and digital software company billy can you give our our listeners a little bit of insight into what your role is and then i want to know um i know when we talked previously um The digital realm is something that you're personally very interested in so i'd like to hear kind of how you got involved in in this specific space
2: yep thanks savannah and and excited to be on here with you guys um so i uh let's start by saying i'm from arkansas and uh being from arkansas i never would have seen myself where i'm at today uh, I currently live in San Francisco, I do um, a tech sales rep, um, this is the third company I've, I've been at, and you know the company I'm at, uh, we focus on automation, software automation, but by virtue of being in the San Francisco Bay Area I get exposure to a lot of cool ideas, cool concepts. And specifically, you know, just like Sungman had said, you know, he gets exposed to crypto and he gets exposed to the space and he gets interested in it. I had that journey, that, that revelation maybe five or six years ago. And, you know, I've gotten to work with some companies or, or projects uh, directly and, and other, other, you know, ways I've just have followed it. Podcasts, Twitter. So it's something that I know about. Again, though, like from a starting point. I I think that, you know, my starting point just coming from Arkansas and then just being out here, there's a bridge there, but, you know, I don't consider myself the smartest person in the room. And so for anyone who's listening, you know, definitely not trying to, you know, pull out rocket science. We we want, you know, I want you to know that if I figured some of this stuff out, anyone can figure this stuff out. Um, (laughs) So, you know, hopefully we can, you know, dive into some of it, but I can make it very relatable for everyone
0: yeah that's awesome so i'd like to start talking about the broad definitions so in your insider with your insider uh i guess expertise what is your definition of the metaverse and what is
2: let's not call it expertise let's let's frame this this is going to be very um armchair conversation right this is we're sitting at thanksgiving dinner table and and You know, we're we're all coming together trying to just, you know, have this conversation. A lot of this stuff's unfolding, and and there's not a right or a wrong answer to some of this stuff, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, but be mindful, just like Sung Min, he's he's passionate about this space. You're going to have some listeners that are probably going to know about some of these topics better than we do, and that's okay. That's actually encouraged. Our goal is to kind of bring you up to speed where we're at. Maybe there's some people who don't have exposure. We're going to bring you up. But there are people who are already going to be light years ahead, who are going to disagree with some of our statements, or they're going to they're going to have their own flavor, and, and that's super cool too, right? Uh, but as far as what is the metaverse, the metaverse is a very bad marketing term. It is. It sounds uh, dumb. It sounds like you know. You, I want to roll my eyes when I hear it, just because it sounds so far out there. Like if you looked at Elon Musk's Cybertruck and and heard it called the cyber truck and look what it was you know look like and you thought oh that's cringeworthy you probably hear the word metaverse and also cringe <laughs> like these are like very techy uh things but you know at the end of the day i think that what you're gonna find is even for the common person there's gonna be some cool stuff that comes out and that's that's what i get excited about and i think that that's that's where we want to bridge the gap between like these 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 These, you know, I'll I'll raise my hand and say say I'm a nerd, but these nerdy ways of saying, you know, things and describing these concepts and actually like are, you know, helping people understand what they actually mean the day to day. And and so, like, what is the metaverse? What is the scope of it? Um, I think the metaverse is very misunderstood. Uh, I think that it's a blanket term. I think some people, they hear metaverse and they're like, oh, that's ready player one. And I kind of disagree. I could see there's some possibilities that it could become that. And we, we can discuss that. But at this phase, just think of the metaverse as just being this marketing term that the communities come up with. But it's immersive experiences, digital interactions, uh, mostly through probably augmented reality and virtual reality. Uh, there's a difference between those. Uh, but uh, essentially just wearable devices that you know create digital overlays either completely immersive so it's a full digital world or semi-immersive so that it's a it's an overlay just kind of like pokemon go right it's 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 overlaid onto the reality we exist in and i'll give you a couple examples if you're if you're okay with you know how i see this manifesting are you good with me throwing a couple of them out there yeah i'll hear them so one of them uh, one of the ways i think that the common person is gonna uh see the metaverse come to fruition is my parents hate going to Walmart. My dad absolutely hates driving there. He hates dealing with the traffic. You know, he needs Walmart because there's stuff at Walmart and it's, it's, it's easy to go to, but he just, he, he sometimes he's a little bit of a hermit crab and he hates going. Well, I think that, you know, in the next 10, 15 years, you see, you know, a room set up in your house and you go put on your, your digital device, whether that's virtual reality or augmented reality, and you upload Walmart into the comfort of your living room. And I think that you walk down the aisles of Walmart in a VR or augmented reality experience, and you pick up items, and you look at their label, and, and you drop them into your shopping cart. And you, know, you could even go to produce foods and see what's live in the local warehouse and, and kind of pick out you know what bananas I want. You know, I want to go chop cereals. You can upload aisle to aisle, and then in two hours, Walmart is going to deliver this to your doorstep. And it doesn't have to be Walmart. It could be Amazon. It could be any of these. I'm prefer- preferable to Walmart. I'm from Arkansas. My brother works there. But that that's, that's a real world example of, oh, I can upload this digital experience into my living room um, and, and have the same kind of a shopping experience. Another one that uh, I'll throw three more out there real quick. If you like sports games like football, uh, they're starting to build. Digital or location beacons in all the cameras on a surrounding a football field. These cameras very quickly are going to start working together and recreating a digital version of the game that you're watching. So, if you're a fan of sports, you can, from the comfort of your living room, be anywhere you want to be in the stadium. Your best friend who sits, you know, two states away or your family member can, can be in the seat next to you. You guys can move throughout the field. The, the, the New Jersey nets actually just experimented with this and they they released kind of an early uh, proof of concept of what this would look like. But, you know, once you start overlaying other cool digital services into this, like uh, gambling or even just like, just for fun, like you saw what Nickelodeon did with the recent uh, broadcasts for kids, you know, throwing ooze on the field. Uh, Imagine putting the football field on the moon or imagine putting sharks underneath them because they're playing on top of water. There's, there's fun things you can start doing digitally to kind of recreate what this experience looks like and making it fun. Um, and that's kind of one of the many concepts. The others that I really love are travel. A lot of people aren't able to travel. They, they'd love to go see Rome. They'd love to go see Paris and you can't do these things. Well, put on your, your, your headset and, and go to those places. And then another one would be education. Education is sometimes very limited. Uh, you know, people have to go to a cl- kids have to go to a classroom. We saw during the, the pandemic that you guys probably went through this having to go through Zoom,
0: Zoom uh, University. Yeah. Yeah, it, it,
2: Which I hate for you guys. Like, this should be not something you ever had to deal with. And I really hate that you went through that. I could not have even imagined. But, you know, I think that there is some benefit to this style of learning. It's, there's got to be a balance or a blend. But imagine learning, you know, the theory of, 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 of relativity from Einstein himself. Like imagine, imagine uploading and, and hearing Isaac Newton give a lecture. Imagine, uh, you, you know, even let's talk augmented reality. Let, let's go to physical Rome and let's walk around. But let's put just like Snapchat has filters. Let's put a filter on and see what Rome looked like 2000 years ago. Let's take the filter off and see what it looks like a thousand years ago. Okay, take the filter off completely, and you've got what Rome looks like today. And so I think that you know this, this concept of the metaverse can be a lot of different things, and that's where this one term really doesn't do it justice, everything it means. And I'm not even, I haven't even got into some of the other examples of, of what's actually being built, but I just kind of wanted to give some fun little examples that I think that common people would find interest in.
1: I feel like that was very well spoken. I feel like the metaverse is very ambiguous. And like you said, it is kind of a bad marketing term, but it's a new industry that's rising. So uh, I feel like it's good to put a title on it and uh, start expanding on what we've been working on for the last six, seven years, like with Google, with their glasses, like Snapchat, with their spectacles. Like this has been in like this movement has been like in place for a little while and I'm glad it's getting a lot more awareness due to the progression that COVID kind of had with the digital world. And one thing that I wanted to add to what you were saying was I feel like it's amazing for workforce enablement. Like um, there are strategies like, uh, or not strategies. There are apps like GatherTown. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's where uh, it's like Microsoft teams, but, They're able to have like little 8-bit figures where they can interact with their coworkers and be like, Hey, like wave, like say, do you want a cup of coffee? Like, even though it's just digital, just cute stuff like that.
2: So I don't know if you guys have seen back to the future yet, but there's this moment where Marty McFly is back in 1955 and he just rocks it out on a guitar. He's playing Chuck Berry and he's just ripping it. And after he gets done, all of the parents or you know his, his parents class they're all high schoolers at the time they're looking at him like what did you just show us and you know the comment that he made was this might be you know you guys might not be ready for that oh but your kids are gonna love it and I think that that's another thing that we have to, to remember is that not all of us are gonna love maybe some of these concepts apply to us and we're gonna like them but there's others that, hey, that next generation that's coming up, that generation that had the iPad in their hand, you know, when they were at a young age, they love digital, you know, places, that's the video games they love is like Minecraft, you know, they're, they, maybe they do want to work in it with an 8-bit character. They think that that's more fun for them. I may not relate to that. My parents may not relate to that. But that doesn't mean that that's not a real thing, a real desire of theirs. And then the last comment I'll make, just while we close out, what is the metaverse itself? Before we dive into some of the other topics, is we are very much still in the infancy. Like you, you're right, Sungmin, that we, we've we've been building toward a lot of this, but we're still just in the infancy of all of this. We're this is the Atari that we're playing with. We're playing Pong right now. You know, if you've ever gone and looked at the uh, you know what the the city of Dubai looked like in 1991. It's a desert compared to now. It's this massive city. Uh, we're in that Dubai 1991 version of all of this. A lot of these cool concepts are ready to emerge, and they're coming together. But you know, we're not there by any means. We're we're, we're very much at the building stages of even trying to you know form concepts around what a lot of this is going to mean for us.
0: Yeah. So now that we've defined the metaverse and seen how multifaceted it is. I wanna talk a little bit more about who, I'm not sure if this is the right word, but who and what controls the metaverse? And like, I guess a little bit of the ethical implications around it because it's still so new and it's constantly evolving that I feel like new questions come up much faster than anyone can really answer them. And we're still figuring it out as we go. So I wanna talk about, I wanna ask what should companies be doing about the metaverse because we see the big tech companies um former formerly facebook is now called meta um mm-hmm. we have walmart investing in this space all of the big tech giants and more are in here so how are companies keeping up because if not they're going to become obsolete very fast
2: so savannah you you asked you'd actually made a a, a great question comment that i'm going to address first and then we're going to split that up in two parts and we'll get into what companies how, how companies should approach it in my opinion right but the first of it, who controls the metaverse who builds it that's that's very like that's something that's very relevant to right now um there is a um there's a concept right now that everyone should get comfortable with and it's this concept between what is web two versus what is web three and i'm going to build on this concept i want to i want to overview it real quick and then i'm going to build on it but if you think about the early internet the 1990s the internet then this is whenever i got exposed to it if i went to a website every website essentially read like uh encyclopedia the information that was on the website was put there by the company that owned that web page it was not interactive it was just The the World Wide Web was an encyclopedia. Web 2 is this emergence of these companies, Facebook, YouTube. uh, You've got these companies that Google, they're not creating the content that is on the internet. Users are creating the content, but they've got a common platform. If you go to YouTube, you're not watching what YouTube put on YouTube. You're watching what your friends put on YouTube or what, what top influencers put on YouTube, Instagram, you go on Instagram. You're not looking at what Facebook posted. You're looking at what people posted and, and, and that's the web 2, 2.0 is, is really it's, it's, it's content being created by the population. It's more interactive. And, but the, the challenge with that is, these companies are, and I wouldn't say it's a, ch- a bad thing, but it's the some people do debate, you know, the good and the bad of it. Facebook's gotten branded as this evil company that has your data and they sell it, right? And eventually, what they've done is they've taken their users and they've monetized them to the point that, you know, ethics have been thrown out the door, and you know, all these accusations. I know a lot of people that work at Facebook. I don't think that they're bad people, but I can totally see the criticism and say, hey, you know, let's have a conversation about that. You know, and then you look at Google, they've got they've got so much data on us. And, and And at the end of the day, there's a boardroom of people that are making decisions on behalf of these companies that influence billions of people around the world. And what is being built now, what people are trying to build is is this this idea, this concept of web three. And web three is the distributed creation of applications more or less, maybe not too dissimilar from the applications that we had before. But then once you start creating these communities of developers, there may be applications that come later that we we, we didn't develop on our own, you know, within Web2.0 that are, they become more capable. And then, and then there's other, one other concept I want to throw in there is that, you know, if you're, if you're Google or you're Facebook and you have an IP address, if you're a nation state like China and I want to block your IP address, I can cut you off entirely from my population. Okay. Now let's talk about web three and what that is. Whereas Google is a company that's centralized and has an application or set of applications that it has built for its users. Web three is saying, Hey, we want a decentralized group of developers to build these applications. We want not one company with a thousand employees. We want a thousand individuals to work on one project together, and or maybe multiple projects together. And we want to all contribute to it. And, and some of the technologies like blockchain have enabled people to be able to do this, and, and even be able to monetize it from a tokenized fashion and say, hey, you know, if 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 we build on these tokens and these and or, or even. It, it, NFTs help with this as well in some regards but if we if we build these applications pe- users who see value in it will pay us in tokens and token value will go up because it's being used and, and so we can recreate a lot of these applications in a decentralized fashion the other the other concept of it is if you're a nation state like China you can't block the blockchain because it's just it doesn't exist on an IP address. You can't just filter it out from your users getting access to it. And so this web three crowd is saying, hey, there's more accessibility for all applications and we're not gonna allow a centralized group to build them. We want them to be decentralized built. And, and so that's, that's a concept that I wanted to get into because when you're asking who controls the metaverse, who builds it, well, you've got a couple of flavors. Facebook says, hey, this thing is gonna exist. There's gonna be a platform. We want to own the platform, but they're approaching it from a Web 2 vision of saying, we want to control it. We want this, you know, we want the users who interact with it, to, to, to download apps through our app store. We want them to use our devices to interface with it. But then you've got this completely different crowd that says, no, we won't want this to be a decentralized community built uh, uh, construct. We want this thing to manifest from, from all kinds of developers from all around the world. And what you really it boils down to is, is like which one's gonna emerge? The one that emerges is, is really gonna be a network factor. Like, where are people going to go? And, and that's where it gets even more complex because you've got brands, brands are gonna wanna go where there's network scale because because brands wanna engage with users, but to the same degree. If you're in a web 2.0 world, and this is a big concept to understand, there's terms and conditions. To be in on Facebook or to be on Instagram, you have to accept the terms and conditions. In web three, there are no terms and conditions. At this phase, like a lot of this, you know, it's kind of the wild west. And if you're a brand, if I'm Disney, where do I put where do I put Disney products? Do I put it with Facebook or or Apple or, or, you know, some of these trusted brands where we can kind of control the content or or we put it in this wild, wild west and kind of, you know, what what does that even mean? And so that's kind of, you know, who's building it, who's controlling it. Each brand is going to have to figure out what their own strategy is, but but where it's being built, it's kind of being built everywhere, and, and we don't know what's going to emerge as, as, as kind of the leading horse in the race, right? And there might be multiple flavors that all win, right? I don't know that necessarily one has to win. I'm going to pause there, just kind of see what, make sure that those concepts made sense.
1: So, actually, I'm so happy that you brought up Web3, because that was something we had uh, towards the end of our uh, outline, but... I'm actually on a Web3 right now. It's called the Brave browser. It was made by uh, the creator of JavaScript and Firefox. And it's it runs on a Tor browser. It has like a built-in like ad block. And it allows you to gain money from looking at ads, if that makes sense. So they have their own pop-up ads every once in a while. And you get paid for looking at those. So it's like giving money back to the people for the ad revenue. I mean, let,
2: me, let me do a better job of explaining what Brave Browser is, because Brave thank Browser you, would be the Web 3 version of, it's the recreation of a Web 2 product. Everyone has a Chrome browser, and everyone loves Chrome browser. Chrome browser works great. I go to Google, and I search things, and Google works great, and I actually kind of like sometimes that that, you know, relevant things pop up, but over time, less relevant things pop up, and it's more of a pay to play. People who pay the most money to Google get my advertising attention. All the pop-ups that come to the websites that are loaded, Google puts those there and Google makes money off of that because they know what I'm most likely to click on. They know what advertisers are trying to get to me. I don't think this is entirely a bad concept. There's There's this group of people that say, hey, why is Google making money off of that when it's your information? You're the product. Let's create this in the Web3 world where this brave browser concept comes along. As you be in the product, you decide whether or not you want your information out there. And if you do want it out there, the companies that want to advertise to you have to pay you to be able to show you ads. And you know, they, Brave is still getting a slice of the pie, but you're getting the majority of, of it. and and they're, they're, there's actually a token that they do that through bat, basic attention token. And that's, that's one of many concepts within this, this whole construct that, you know, again, we could go on these million rabbit holes, but that that's a web three version of let's create something with web two with with that's user centric with users in mind.
0: I want to build off of what you guys were both talking about when you when you kind of addressed the kind the misconception a little bit about um, how much control we do or do not have in um technologies more specifically the metaverse but i wanted to ask in your opinion uh because the metaverse kind of seems like and the web 3d it kind of seems like the consumers are able to take back a little bit of control and that they kind of guide it so should there be a burden of liability on the companies or should it be put into the hands of the consumers
2: that that's a deep, deep, deep question. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, ultimately, if you're a company, you're whether you like it or not, you've got a legal arm that's gonna, you know, weigh risk, and they're gonna say, "Here's what the risk is of us doing anything." You know, companies have to have to consider what the risk is of 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 bad, and you know, they're always considering that in the web three world that that's exactly what a brand has got to consider is okay if if we put content out there you know participate you know how liable are we if this going bad like that that, i I don't know that i've been asked that question that way but but you know if you're if you're a brand you're you're getting dinner with your legal team you're having that conversation
0: right and there's I don't think it's been a part of the conversation or a part of a big conversation yet, but I know um, off the top of my head, I know that um, as far as liability, a couple years back, Twitter had to go back and I think they scrubbed like a ton of um, the random accounts on their platform because they didn't meet, they found out that they didn't meet their um, age requirements. So do you think we could potentially be seeing things like um, parents or, uh, companies imposing like an age requirement for the metaverse, because you said it, it is like the wild, wild west.
2: So, so it it really depends on which, which, which flavor you want to talk about, but okay, let's talk about, let's talk about it this way. When Twitter and Facebook first create, were created, they wanted to be social platforms with free open communication with their users. Over time, they realized that can go really bad, right? They've got term and conditions that if you adhere to, you, you're a good actor. If you don't adhere to, you're a bad actor, you can get kicked off. Well, where that's become even more challenging is, you know, look at, look at the, the president we just had, President Trump, getting you know kicked off of Twitter and Facebook. Jack Dorsey, who's the, who's the CEO of Twitter, didn't want to be in a position to have to make that decision. And ultimately, a decision was made that was highly controversial. You know, you, you've got essentially the leader of the free world that's not able to be on this, this public you know, communication platform. Twitter didn't want to be in the position to make that, that call, but they, they felt like they had to, one way or the other. Same with Facebook. They, they, they felt like they had to make a decision. Now, I'm not here to say which, what, what was a right or wrong decision or to get into the politics of it, but... You know that's something that you know when you've got terms and conditions or you've got these publicly traded companies with with a boardroom making a decision they they ha- they go through and weigh that content with the Web three world you know it, it, which by the way the metaverse that evolves from that Web two world decisions are going to be made in a very similar fashion right. Brands are going to want to know, how do I control my brand? What's, what's best for my brand? What's best for users? What's, what's, you know, Disney's going to say what's, what's best for Mickey mouse. Where do we want Mickey mouse to live? How can we protect Mickey mouse? Uh, In this web three world, there are no terms and conditions. And, And so, you know, that, that opens up a can of worms. Like if, You know, uh, there's some good in the sense that, hey, these applications may be accessible in places that web two is not accessible, like China can't block the IP and, you know, users are going to be on there. But then is that worth having the bad actors on there? You know, how do you how do you block bad actors? Is there a decentralized autonomous organization, a DAO that you can put in place that can that can that can that can moderate that? And that's where I guess maybe I'm limited to understanding even, you know, what what does that? How does that evolve if it's if the users are building these communities? So, very interesting question. Very interesting concept. Hopefully, I, I kind of at least gave you some insight into maybe like how I how I look through that. If Facebook and Twitter wanted, to, here's the thing: Facebook and Twitter today, though, they're having to act like publishers, and they don't have editors on staff. Over time, they 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 originally kind of came came into existence saying, "Hey, we want to be we want to be this open communication platform." But now they're being forced to become publishers. There are people – I have a friend actually who worked at Facebook who was – her responsibility was to go through content that was on Facebook and, and rationalize, does this meet our terms and conditions? Is this bad? Does anybody be taken down? And the group of people at Facebook that had to do that, they're having to have – they're having to give medical services to them for some of the content they just had to see on a daily basis. And they're taking this stuff off, trying to protect the community. You can argue Facebook can be a bad company, but you know they're trying to make an effort to do this. But at the other side, like she's psychologically damaged from even having to do that job, and that's not going to exist. Like who's going to do that job in Web three? You know, because it, it, Facebook there, there's there's even if there's not a moral obligation, like as a company, it's going to look bad if you just have all that bad content on there. Someone's got to go through and scrub it. Web 3, the recreation of some of this stuff, There's, is there going to be people there to scrub that content? I don't know. Therefore, do I want to put Mickey Mouse on that platform? Uh, like now, you're, now you've got real challenges. But what if that's the platform all of the users are on? What if every user in the world that I want to show Mickey Mouse to is on that platform? Now I'm in a real dilemma.
0: Right, and I'm so glad that you brought up the effects on the person because I think that leads us into... Our next bit, the ethical implications on a more individual level, more specifically toxicity. So we've talked a little bit about toxicity. What do you see as the connection between toxicity and the metaverse specifically?
2: Savannah, whenever I connected with you first, you had told me that this, you know, these are topics you were passionate about and admire you for making them topics for your podcast this semester. I'm actually want to flip that back on you and kind of get your input. Since you've learned a little bit, I don't expect you to have an answer or even the right answer, but I'm just kind of curious if you've got thoughts on that topic that, that you know, as you've kind of come into this and looked at it under that lens, like if, if you got any, if you, what, what's developed in your mind specifically to that?
0: I do have some thoughts as an avid watcher of um, the show Catfish, because the whole time we're talking about this, I'm just thinking about that show and how they're gonna have like 10 seasons probably set up for them, for the metaverse probably specifically. But I think it's interesting that in the metaverse, like you were, I keep thinking back to the Wild Wild West and how really now that we have these avatars, you can really be whoever you want to be, or whatever you want to be in a sense. And especially when there's um, very little to no regulation there right now, I think it can be it. The metaverse seems like a little bit scary to me. For that reason. And I don't know that's that's Sungmin. do you have any? I mean, as someone who uses the metaverse? What do you think?
1: I don't know if you've ever played like online games and such, but like, I mean, like when you're like protected by that barrier of like no physical contact and like you can say whatever you want and you're not putting your actual full government name on there, you can almost say whatever you want and get away with it. So I think the best thing we could do to avoid like the toxicity that's going to be present is to educate the young ones and educate ourselves. And at the end of the day, we're able to log off and step away from it. So I feel like as big of a problem as it is, I feel like with proper education and advocation, I feel like it could be all avoided.
2: See so but- this, it, it, it's interesting because because one of the things that Savannah had asked earlier about you know age restrictions. You know, if there's no terms and conditions in the web three world. There, there is no, you know, you're going to have girls get on there and have the same is, you know, is, issues that they have with Instagram today. Instagram's a body that wants to address that. Is there a body that wants to address that in this web three world? You know, it, it, here's, here's something that this is maybe a little unrelated and I hope I don't take too much time explaining this, but I think the end result of it is maybe worth it. So I'm going to take a stab at it. Forgive me if this goes off track. I used to have this campfire, uh, you know, question that I had asked people anytime I, I love camping, I take friends camping or maybe even like, you know, a bunch of buddies hanging out in the hot tub, you know, you know, just shooting the stuff. One of the things I'd always ask people whenever, you know, I just wanted to get to know them was, Hey, if an asteroid was going to destroy earth 10 years from now, what, what would you do tomorrow? And, you know, I'd always kind of get their input and, you know, 10 years from now, they didn't, most times didn't change kind of a whole lot of what they were going to do on the day to day. Next question is, okay, asteroids going to destroy earth a year from now. How's that your hands your tomorrow? You get a little bit, you know, there's a little bit more of a, huh, that's interesting. You know, maybe I would start changing my behavior. Then, you know, I I hear all of my different friends give their answers. And then that's the next question. Okay. A month from now. You're gonna have an asteroid, and and people start to get. Some people get real panicky. Some people get real party. You know, some people. You know, it's kind of interesting the answers. And then the you know the final one. Hey, there's gonna be asteroid uh, tomorrow. What are you doing for the next 24 hours? And it was just kind of this fun way that I'd get to know some of my friends. There's one guy I asked this this progression of questions to, and he was a firefighter. His name's Adam. We call him firefighter Adam. And I think that you find that there's people in society that are just good people in service to their fellow members of society. Adam's answer was, well, if it's coming 10 years from now, I want to understand who needs help today. And I'm going to start helping them. Maybe that's psychologically. Maybe, you know, there's going to be a need. And then I asked him a year from now, well, same, same. I got to figure out who needs help and I'm going to be there to help them. And I'd answer that progression of questions. And and like, I, I think that there, as long as there's people in the world like firefighter Adam that like are in service to, you know, their fellow humans, I think that, I think that the good's going to outweigh the bad. I do truly believe that most people in the world are good. When you, when you look at a classroom of students, sometimes there's, you know, you can have 25 students and 24 of them are great. There's that one class clown that gets all the attention, but it doesn't mean the other 24 of them are bad. Right. So I I, I say kind of those concepts to build on, I truly believe a lot of the developers that are creating a lot of this stuff are good people. I think that they are they they mean well. Yes, you're going to have bad actors. Maybe the bad actors aren't even the the, the developers. Maybe it's the person who just gets on the platform, and, and 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 does the bad things. There has to be a way to address that. And even as a brand, you want to protect yourself from those people. Um, but you know, Savannah, what ultimately I was wanting to get to is. I think that as long as you've got good people in the world, the good's going to outweigh the bad. And I think that that extends digitally too. You just got to have people that are mindful or that are intentional, building the right utility, you know, make making you know making products that are going to enrich and, and, and better people's lives. That's Sorry not, for that. I, no, that's not. I know that it was very off topic, but, you know, it's def- definitely kind of, as I think through, like, how do I, how do I, you know, I, I saw the question coming in before we got in today and I was kind of like, how, how do I even answer that? And that's kind of where my mind went. My brain works that way sometimes.
1: I feel like that's an awesome perspective and a good approach to it. Very enthusiastic. Um, I feel like with the metaverse emerging, a lot of the older generations, maybe the boomers are going to look at it a little bit more cynic, but I feel like the millennials and us will be able to look at it more like uh, in an enthusiastic point of view. And I love that you're, Willing to notice that the good will always outweigh the bad. That's awesome.
2: Another thing to think of is think about think about if you're if you are a think about it this this way. If you're if you're older, you looked at video games as an escape. You looked at video games as, hey, I'm gonna play, I'm gonna be Mario for a little bit. This generation that's coming up that's gonna be immersed with 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 let's call it the metaverse. It may be real that we look at our digital avatars as an extension of ourselves, and we behave more normally because this is also us, even though it's the digital version of us. And I think that that is where it gets really interesting is, is hey, this isn't somewhere that I'm I'm going to enter and become someone different. This is just an extension of who I am. And this is where you know this is this is this is this other universe that I'm going to extend into but continue to be myself and I think that that's also an interesting concept that you know it's not like you know we have to change just because we go digital I think that that's just maybe something that we grappled with as society as digital started to emerge is who do I want to be when I'm in my digital version so that's that's probably also something to consider
0: to close out the metaverse I wanna throw another one out there at you guys, because we can, you guys were talking about, we can be who we wanna be in the metaverse. What does this mean for privacy and our personal privacy? Because in a sense, if you can be whoever you wanna be, you could be someone that you're not, that adds like, I guess a layer of protection almost. Um, But what does this mean for the individual and concerns about privacy?
2: That's a deep question. I don't know what I have the answer to. Um, I, I can say that privacy is is top concern. It, it, there's there's some things I can I can I can you know tell you that from privacy standpoint. You know, think about the blockchain. The blockchain is completely open. Blockchain, there is no privacy. There's no trust, but there's no privacy. Everything that's on the blockchain is publicly visible. And so, if we do, you know, if you do start to see applications that are built completely on the blockchain, how do you address privacy? Is there, are there ways to ensure privacy, but also, you know, be able to prove, hey, I am who I say I am one on online or while I'm digital? And, and the, these are, you know, there's digital wallets that are out there. Like these are, these are things that I'm throwing at you to say, the, these are emerging concepts that people are starting to figure out i'm sure people have of concepts around but it's definitely something that's important and i would actually say if you're a brand and you're trying to figure out what does privacy look like like that or what do you, what does what the metaverse look like for us privacy and, and, and user experience have got to be your top two priorities in any of this so i don't know that that answered your question but at least kind of gives you some some thoughts to go through my mind on that i don't know if uh Sun min wants to chime in on that
1: I mean, the only thing I could say about privacy is I feel like the growth of v- like VPNs are going to be like, I mean, like everyone's going to need a VPN on their phone, their laptop, their desktop. I think at a point, I think as we go and move on, ah, but that's about as much as I could say as of right now. Because like, I mean, since it's supposed to be decentralized, like you said, like there's not going to be terms and conditions. Like it's going to be hard. It's kind of going to be hard and ambiguous. So it's like. Uh, yeah, like, I, I'm not too sure either, honestly.
0: So, and I think this is something that would be so interesting to come back to, in even just a year, because um, I think we're going to see so much changing. I mean, our questions might be answered in three, four, I mean, probably much faster than that. But I think it's really fascinating and definitely something we could revisit.
2: So Savannah, before you close out, I did have just a couple of th- things that I want to throw out there real quick. One there's a lot of hype around this space. Anyone who's excited about it, be very careful with your investments because most of the projects that are out there are probably going to fail. We didn't even talk about NFTs and the use of NFTs, but it's, it's another thing that, you know, we could have gone on a huge deep dive around because it's very relevant to all of this. Um, the The desire to invest in these things uh, is great. Everyone wants to, to be a part of the next big thing, but inherently one thing that, that I know that I care about my friends and family and I don't want them to lose money. And so just because I've had some success in this space, I don't want to get overexcited and get people to jump into it. and, And, and then, and then, and then, you know, essentially make poor decisions. One, Financial advisors are there to kind of help you weigh the risk, but but too, just know that there is a lot of hype, and and even like just to stay on my rat hole with NFTs, like NFTs, some of them don't have any utility at all. Some of them have some utility. Some of them are just, hey, if you invest in us, you know, or if you buy this item from us, we promise to make a video game in the future that that item can be used in. There's no legal, you know, there's no legal requirement for a decentralized community to ever build that video game there's there's no there you know they could take that money and just disappear and there's there's no there's no user protection and especially with as much hype as it's around it i would just caution people just approach this 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 from you know be excited about the space i think that there's gonna be some really cool uh things that emerge But if you're looking to get, you know, to invest or you want the next big thing, be very, very cautious. Like this should not be, you know, this should not represent a majority of your portfolio. If you don't know, if if the buddy gave you a name of a coin, just, just, I want to, I just want to double down that that's a lot of these things operate like a Ponzi scheme. And if you're part of the community you don't like hearing that but it's the truth even the way the sec has set up a lot of its rules on how these crypto projects can get funded it it's hard for these projects to not be set up like a ponzi scheme and and so therefore you know just by nature of ponzi scheme anytime you're investing in someone's selling out and you know you're you're crossing your fingers that the the they're going to go up, but these are not established brands and established companies all the time, which is why you look at the Facebooks, you look at the apples and, you know, you have to consider, are they going to emerge victorious? Because there's, there's, there's more, you know, there's more corporate structure to them versus a lot of these crypto projects that they're exciting, but they're relying on their user community, just like Wikipedia relies on users to come in and edit and create content. And, you know, there's, there's, there's a, it's, it's just very dangerous space, and so I would hate for someone to get too enthusiastic about it, or say that they're a part of it, and then just go yolo into it and get screwed. Because that's 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 you know that 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 would never be good for any of us. So I did want to throw that out there real quick.
0: All right, that is it for this week's episode of Walton Biz Talk. We'll be back to you in a couple of weeks with more casual conversations about professional things. I want to give a shout out to the podcast crew. Um, First, our guest this week, Billy Admire. I want to give a shout out to Sung Min, the host. I want to give a a shout out to um, Jackie, our other co host, Gracie and Cole for being our researchers. Um, Macymo
1: for our
0: for the editing and Macy for the marketing.
1: Awesome!
0: Thanks, y'all. We'll see you in a couple weeks.
1: Meet us in the metaverse.